I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers from KLCC Studios. My guest today is Lori Trieger, Lane County Commissioner representing District 3, which encompasses the South Eugene community. Trieger, elected in 2020, is an experienced nonprofit leader, community organizer, and someone who utilized critical county services in her past. We talk about the job of commissioner, the role of county government, and what lies ahead for Lane County. Lori Trieger, Lane County Commissioner from District 3, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, no, we really appreciate you coming in. So let's go back to the very beginning. Uh, Talk about your career and what led up to you becoming a county commissioner. Yeah, it's always interesting when people ask me that because then I have to think, when did I think of myself as being on a career path? Because it (laughs) happened pretty... uh, subtly and organically, and I think in in retrospect is only when I realized I was on a career path. But I moved to Eugene in the late 80s with uh, one baby at that time, and then um, in 90 had a second child. And at that time, um, we, like a lot of families, were really struggling to um, make ends meet. And I was interfacing with a county program and didn't even realize it was county government at work, which was the WIC program, Women, Infants, and Children. Uh, nutrition supplement program and and child wellness support. Um, But basically, I was busy heads down just raising the kids and trying to get acclimated to a new community and make some connections here. And one of the ways I did that was by participating on uh, the Whitaker Community Council. We lived in Whitaker at the time. And uh, so I, without, it wasn't like I was thinking, I want to get involved in local politics. I'll do this. It was just, I want to connect to my community and um, improve quality of life in my neighborhood. And that was a way to do it. And also, at that same time, uh, Food for Lane County used to be located in Whitaker at 2nd and Madison. And a good uh, personal friend um, was at the organization at that time and invited me for a tour and a walk around. And so those two things combined, as I now realize, in about uh, 1988, 9, and 90, were the beginning of my career. But I didn't think of it that way at that time. Uh, But those were things that really grounded me in being connected to community, working at the grassroots level, and then working particularly on an issue that I really cared about, which was hunger and food security. Well, it's interesting because I would imagine there are many, many elected officials who get into the job, but maybe necessarily didn't benefit from services Mm -hmm. provided. That's an interesting part of your background is that you saw firsthand how important it was. That's right. And in fact, I think one of the things I'm looking forward to us chatting a bit more about is what is county government? What do we do? Because that level of government is really invisible to a lot of people. I think they don't realize they know they live in a city. They know about state legislatures and and federal government. Um, But that that piece, that layer of county government is missing, but everyone is interacting with it at some point or another. So when we get to talk about that a little bit, I can can share more what I mean. But exactly right. Being part of that WIC program was a way for me to really um, understand the impact on uh, everyday people's lives, but particularly folks who need a extra help. Yeah, and we, and we will get into that. You know, one thing um, before we get into that, because I, I do think that county government can be somewhat mysterious to, to people, as, as you just talked about. But I'm curious, um, looking at your background, and, and especially in a community such as ours, which I think truly does value nonprofit leadership, does value grassroots organizing at that level, there were probably multiple elected official positions you could have gone, gone into, but you went into county government. Was that a, a circumstance of, I guess what I'm asking is, was it I wanted to engage in, in, in an elected office and, and this was open, or I always knew that the county was where I wanted to be? 
Uh, mostly yes to the latter, but somewhat the former. Okay. Um, I think you're exactly right. That that's another example of how I didn't I didn't know this was where I was headed, um, <laughs> but apparently this is this is where I was headed all along. Um, I never thought about or saw myself serving in in elected office for a long, long time, and I think many people in elected office that's true. It's particularly true for women and um, other folks who over historically, particularly in this country, but really everywhere in the world, haven't seen examples of themselves in elected office. Um, so that's one reason I didn't see myself here. But another was I really was building my relationship to this community and to the organizations that serve it and was very happy and satisfied in my work. And that work took me to many different organizations and across many different issues over a period of a, a little over 20 years. But what it also did for me was gave me an opportunity to work on issues both from a programmatic perspective, but also do a lot of policy advocacy work and systems change work. And that's where I really started to get um, engaged in and start to understand how government worked at many different levels, uh, because in fact, the issues I was working on and that I care about are systems issues. And government and policy is a big piece of those systems. So I had to learn what that was. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. And I... I, I'm going to break a, a cardinal rule. Is is, is I'm going to I'm going to date this podcast because as we're speaking, uh, Governor Governor Kotek is, is is making her her inaugural address. But I I think it bespeaks something that Oregon seems to be a place where women in politics is 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 a big thing. There are a lot of the top jobs in in politics are are held by women, and and certainly you know maybe talk about that a little bit. You, you mentioned it just just a second ago, but you know. Um, underrepresented for, for we might be around the same age or so underrepresented for, for for most of our lives and now it seems like there's a shift uh yes and um yes oregon is um it's sort of in the forefront as you say with a lot of top positions particularly with our new uh congress uh, representative congressional representatives sure. being sworn in in particular right as well as our, our governor. And I think it's we have to be really careful, though, not to think that because a state has a moment in time where we seem to be doing really well around representation in some of the top offices mean we've, you know, sort of turned that corner and we live in a post-patriarchal <laughs> society because we most certainly do not. And even when we achieve winning seats like these, um, it is a daily effort to serve in them uh, there's an extra level of effort by virtue of the systems that historically have kept us out of these seats. And to that point, and so much of your background, again, is in nonprofit leadership, mm -hmm. um, reaching consensus. In, in nonprofits, uh, forgive me if I'm, if I'm missing this, but a huge part, as I've seen in, in sort of nonprofit leadership is is sort of doing more with less. Mm -hmm. And and to do that, you have to be a consensus builder. Did you feel like your background in nonprofit leadership was a nice springboard to the county commission because you had to do more with less and, and build consensus? I think it was a good springboard. I'm not sure if that's that's why, but um, to your point and question earlier about did I always, you know, did I want to be in office? Did I know it was a county commission seat? The, the reason the board of county commissioners made sense to me, there was a number of reasons, but one is because the structure similarly parallels what nonprofits do. The board of county commissioners is a policy board, and we are tasked with setting the strategic direction for the organization, 
uh, approving the budget that aligns resources to those strategic priorities that we named. And then we have um, three positions, three direct hires, um, one being the county administrator, which is parallel to an executive director and a nonprofit. So we're not, a, uh, unlike the legislature, we're not developing policy con uh, concepts and building support in our caucus and moving those through committees. We are a governing board for an organization. The organization is Lane County Government. The doing more with less and consensus building, I mean, I think everyone is doing more with less. It's just a matter of what that, uh, how much more and less what that gap is, right? Um, and I think it's more actually what, what I've learned in nonprofits that have, that are ser that's serving me well in this role is to be continually innovating and be responsive to the needs in the community while also staying true to that strategic plan. Governments historically are not particularly nimble and fast moving. I'm very proud of the work we do at Lane County and we have really talented, committed leadership staff who implement uh, the programs and the work of the organization. And for a local government, we do a lot that is quite not only innovative, but we are quite nimble. And, and while it feels in the moment like we move slowly and it takes forever to do things, I think history will show that on some issues, we're really moving quite quickly. I was struck in, in doing research for the podcast and, and reading some of your past interviews, especially when you were in the ca campaign, you talked about knocking on <laughs> more than a thousand doors, but you saw it as part of your job, not only introducing yourself and, and, and what you wanted to do if you ascended to the position, but you spent a lot of time explaining what county government does. What was that like? Because like we said at the top, I mean, it, it, I think people certainly understand in some sort of a concept what a county government is, but then they think, well, when the rubber meets the road, I'm not exactly sure what the job is. Yeah. What was it like to explain that? Yeah, well, I think one thing I will say is most campaigns, if they're doing their work right for a local office, knock many thousands of doors. I personally knocked over 2,000. My team uh, with some volunteers knocked um, nearly that many more. And we would have knocked uh, you know, five, six, seven times that, but for the pandemic, I had to pivot quickly. The, the height of my campaign and the timing, I was elected in 2020, so the May 2020 primary was right on the heels as, as we were deep in the throes of the shutdown. So I made hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls instead of knocking doors. And it was quite a time to be doing that. But um, in answer to your question, what was it like? Well, you only have people's attention for a few seconds, really. And um, so opening those conversations on the doors looked like just introducing myself. Hi, my name is Lori Trieger. I'm talking to neighbors about what they need from their local government because I'm uh, hoping to get your support to be your county commissioner. I think if I led with I'm running for county commissioner, I would have had more doors slammed in my face because <laughs> it's such a mystery to people. Um, and long before I was actively campaigning for the seat, of course, because of my nonprofit work and my uh, volunteer activism, I've been out in community talking to people about community needs and gaps in services um, for decades. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to take our first break. We're talking with Lori Trieger. She is the Lane County Commissioner for District 3, the South Eugene area. We'll be right back. I'm Barbara Dellenbach, host of KLCC's Oregon Grapevine. On the newest edition, Kate Brown, Oregon's former governor, says she will miss the camaraderie of working with other states' governors. We all have to put politics aside to do what is best for our people. As I watch my colleagues in Idaho and Wyoming, I don't always agree with them, but I know they're working to put the people of their state in the best position possible. Former Oregon Governor Kate Brown on Oregon Grapevine at klcc.org. 
And we're back talking with Lori Trieger from uh, Lane County. She's a commissioner representing South Eugene District 3. Um, I would love to spend a little time talking about the nuts and bolts of your job today as a county commissioner, what you do, you, the work with the other commissioners, with staff, and, and, and kind of tell us what's a day in the life like for a county commissioner. Yeah, it depends on the day. <laughs> it's <laughs> hour by hour. Each day is very different. What I would say is I work back from the, um, the, the hard commitment. So there are certain scheduled public meetings that I'm obligated to attend that is the job. And first and foremost, those are the Board of County Commissioner meetings. And those really are the business meetings for the organization. And we have uh, a range of topics that we cover, presentations from staff. We're authorizing the administrators to sign contracts and, and so on. Uh, we're about to start um, the budget committee, the budget cycle for the coming fiscal year. So those business meetings of the board typically are all day Tuesday. Sometimes they spill over into Wednesday. So uh, most Tuesdays you'll find me in Harris Hall in, a, in an all-day long meeting. Um, then the other meetings that work from there depend on our committee assignments. Uh, some of the committees I currently serve on, uh, board members are liaisons or representatives to the various, various uh, boards and commissions that advise uh, the county commissioners. So I'm on the Public Health Advisory Committee, the Human Services Commission, which is intergovernmental with cities of Eugene and Springfield. Um, but some of us also then, by virtue of being in this position as a county commissioner, get invited to serve on or be appointed to other boards. So I serve, for instance, on a statewide board that is tasked with how will we allocate the state's portion of the settlement dollars that were won in the opioid suit where uh, manufacturers, distributors of opioids were sued for their contributions to the opioid uh, addiction and overdose epidemic. So there's, there, I start my week, I look at my calendar and I put the pin in all those public meetings and then infill from there. And that can be anything from a casual one-on-one -on -one coffee with someone representing an organization that wants me to know more about their work or a constituent. It can be going out to tour uh, facilities and services in the community, whether county run or not. Um, it can look like going just to community events to meet folks and, and, and build those relationships. I think of myself as very much a relational and uh, relationships-based leader, so I need to get to know people, which made my first two years in office really challenging during the pandemic. And I want to ask you about that, especially because you identified being, you know, on the public health committee. Mm -hmm. And obviously, Lane County Public Health was, for many people, almost everybody in this region was sort of the very front line of tackling this generational pandemic we're still living through. What was it like to be on that committee? Because in many ways, um, maybe in a in a normal year, that wouldn't be the most intense committee, but I bet it was these last couple of years. Yeah, well, in fact, so the Public Health Advisory Committee um, is largely, it's made up of community members that are really looking at broader long-term initiatives um, and what we can be doing to reduce health disparities and increase uh, public health outcomes. The Board of County Commissioners, by law, is also the authority, the public health authority for Lane County. So it was actually the Board of Commissioners convening as the public health authority that was on the front lines of, of pandemic response. And yes, absolutely, it took up a lot of our time and bandwidth, and we had standing weekly updates. I also participated in weekly calls with the Oregon Health Authority and the governor's office um, during um, all of 20 of 21 when I was first sworn in. Um, so yes, there was nothing like a global pandemic to help um, take care of that thing we talked about, about local um, county government being invisible, made our public <laughs> health authority very visible. Yeah. Far more people know about county public health than ever before. 
what was I'm going to ask you one of those uh, sort of flip flop questions. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest part of 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 that responsibility? Because mm -hmm. I imagine it it was it probably was very emotional, very mm -hmm. gut wrenching to some yes. degree. But then coming out of it to where we are today, what was you know, what what are you most proud of in terms of your interaction with that? Yeah. That is a big question. I think in some ways the hardest part is also what is the most gratifying now, which is just really um, tapping into and being so exposed to people's pain and fear and anxiety uh, around the impacts of the of the epi of the pandemic, regardless of where they were in their own personal understanding of its severity and the efficacy of things like vaccines. You know, people who would call in and give public comment uh, really, really angry at us and thinking we were harming people by operating vaccine uh, clinics as much as people who were, why aren't there more of them and why can't I get my vaccine faster? Um, the essential emotional response, the human response there is still fear and anxiety and, and pain. And um, so I think that was the hardest thing. And then the greatest satisfaction coming out of it is um, seeing and hearing people, you know, that literally survived it sure sure um to that point um do you feel now in 2023 you were almost forced to develop a thicker skin because of that than maybe you would have if we weren't in the pandemic what was that just like knowing that there were people who because of your position nothing that nothing about you personally or anything that that you stood for but because you you had a, a title next to your name we're really angry at you mm -hmm. for nothing that maybe you did, but just by virtue of being in that position, yeah. you had to kind of handle those slings and arrows. Yes. I mean, that is what any elected uh, leader faces as you become the sort of representation and the target for all of that anger and anxiety and fear. Um, but I will say in my decades of community activism and nonprofit work, I'm no stranger to being the sort of symbol of of a, of a failed system or you know I've I mean I've certainly been on the receiving end of people's ire and frustration uh, and and pain before I started my work um, doing advocacy and activism as an abortion clinic escort in Philadelphia in the early 1980s um, so um, I would say that was um, at least as if not more felt more personally threatening um, to me to have to have uh, that experience than be in this office. I know it comes with the territory. It's part of the job. Uh, it is important to not take it personally. Sure, sure. And plus you're from Philly, so you probably have <laughs> built in built in <laughs> toughness right. anyways. Um, you know, I, I'm curious because obviously, and, and we can use the pandemic as, 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 as a jumping off point, but I think just in general, um, there are a lot of agencies, elected officials who need to work together for in some form or another. So you have the city of Eugene, the city of Springfield, the city of Florence, you have these cities, plus you have state representatives. Can you give us sort of a, a synopsis of how you all work together towards a common goal? Yeah. So one thing I will say, going back to when I mentioned being a relational leader, because I've been in the community so long doing the kind of work I've been doing both policy advocacy work, systems change work, service delivery work, um, and administrative work in nonprofits. I have already had established relationships with many of our uh, other local electeds. And that has served me really well because I can just pick up the phone and call a person and, um, and have a conversation. 
organizationally, the way it works, you know, we are Lane County, so the footprint of the county from, you know, the mountains to the coast and up north Junction City down um, to um, Cottage Grove and, and Oak Ridge and so on. We're a big geographic county, but we don't have um, jurisdiction over the 12 incorporated cities within Lane County. So they make their own policy, mm-hmm. but we do have to work in a coordinated um, fashion and and we do sometimes informally and sometimes quite formally some of our uh, boards and commissions are set up to be intergovernmental and multi-jurisdictional for instance I mentioned the Human Services Commission which is the cities of Eugene Springfield and Lane County uh, as one example our revenue about 60% of Lane County's budget comes from state and federal resources so we work very closely with our state legislature and our federal delegation to bring dollars here to the local community whether that's um, for housing work, whether that's for direct services and street outreach to unhoused folks, whether it's for our public health work, um, whether it's for wildfire recovery. Um, there's a, a lot of work that we do in connection and consort with our state and federal delegation. Um, as you were talking, I'm thinking as you were, you were sort of pinning the, the geographic boundaries of Lane County, it's a big county. Mm-hmm. It's a very diverse county. I think, you know, for, for those of us that live in, Jean, in Eugene, it's easy to think of Lane County as just Eugene, but obviously it is a very rural county and a very urban county. What's it like to sort of um, have to help navigate that? Because, you know, boy, the challenges in Far East Lane County are going to be significantly different than the challenges in Midtown Eugene. Talk a little bit about that. That's right. And, you know, I will say when you mentioned, you know, my, my district um, is often referred to as South Eugene, but then people think of that as the neighborhood. It really is roughly the part of Eugene that is south of the river, very roughly. Okay. Um, so there are two, there's five county commissioners, two of us from Eugene, north and south-ish. <laughs> uh, there's Springfield, and then there are two rural commissioners that, that divide the rural communities up, um, one on the west side. Uh, so Junction City down Santa Clara and then all the way out Elmira, Mapleton, all the way out to the coast and then the other, um, the Mackenzie River Valley and then down into Cresswell Cottage Grove, Oak Ridge, Lowell, Dexter, etc. Um, so when I am making decisions, I am making decisions again as a board member for what is good for this organization to fulfill its strategic plan and its mission, which is to improve lives. And that applies no matter where you live. So one-off agenda items might be more specific to a particular part of Lane County, but overall as a board, we're running an organization that serves the entirety of the county. Okay. Um, an example of, of something that's particularly, um, again, we I don't have any authority over the jurisdiction or the running of the city of Eugene, and yet my district is almost a very little unincorporated Lane County. So representing my district looks quite different than it might for someone, one of our rural commissioners that have a lot of unincorporated Lane County in their district. But still and ultimately, what we're all there to do is deliver services, because county government is fundamentally a service provider, to deliver services that improve lives for people in Lane County. And so if someone in my district is a WIC mom, as I was 30-some years ago, if someone in my district has uh, trouble accessing their ballot to cast during an election, if someone in my district um, wants to visit a county park and observes an, an issue at a county park that they want to let me know about, I'm going to represent that. Um, and so I, I think there are a lot of ways that I can represent folks in my district, even though they live within another municipality. Does that, that 
It does. Sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's take our next break. We're talking with Lori Trieger. She is the Lane County Commissioner for District 3. We'll be right back. The car that I donated actually was my parents' car. It needed some work to be done on it, and it got to the point that the cost of the repairs was going to be greater than the car was even worth. So I decided to check with my dad to see if he agreed that maybe we should just donate it. Yeah, he was uh, pleasantly surprised to see that he got a tax write-off, and uh, he was happy that we supported public radio. Learn more about supporting KLCC by way of a vehicle donation at our website, klcc.org. And we're back talking with Lori Trieger, Lane County Commissioner from District 3. So, you know, uh, in a nutshell, what are some of your biggest priorities as a county commissioner? Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, when I ran and what made me um, want to be a, a county commissioner really actually is that Board of Health Authority, is to bring a public health equity lens to the work. Public health is a program. It is a division, a department, but it's also an approach. It's a lens, and we can, it can be both the container in which we make all our decisions and the through line to those decisions and the programs that we deliver. And so bringing that public health perspective um, is really important to me. In terms of specific initiatives that we'll uh, be working on in the coming year that I'm excited about, you know, continuing with pandemic recovery work, both at the individual, you know, personal health and, and uh, impact level, but also in terms of the local economy and, and so on. That's uh, very important to me. And one of the ways I want to do that is through work, uh, coalition-based work across the community to really look at and address the crisis we have around child care. I would say the child care system, but we don't have a child care system. That's mm. the problem. So, uh, you know, child care is the work that makes all other work possible. And so if we don't have accessible, affordable care at the days and times and locations and delivered in the, in the manner and at affordability that, that workers need, um, we have a real crisis on our hands in terms of um, economic vibrancy and, and filling jobs and, and people's overall quality of life, not to mention the impacts on future generations. So, um, so that is an issue that is not a county program that I'm working on, but something that I'm using the platform of the office to work on that I'm very excited about. In terms of specific initiatives that are county programs that I'm really diving all in on and have been, um, I would say that is the um, construction and then launch of our Behavioral Health Stabilization Center, which is a critical missing piece that lives at the intersection of behavioral health and criminal justice. Uh, it's long overdue, and we need it, and I've been working hard to help um, help us make that a reality. And then we're just uh, starting up our budget cycle for the coming fiscal year, and um, there are some real challenges, and I'm grateful to the voters for passing our parks levy. That helps us with one of those challenges. I was honored to be a co-chair of the PAC for that levy. This is going to bring in a little over $30 million over the next five years to address some critical failed infrastructure, improve ADA accessibility, and uh, just general quality and habitat restoration in our county park system. So those are a few issues that I'm looking forward to digging <laughs> in on this, this year. Just a few. Just a few. <laughs> um, what do you think, if you had to rank them in terms of priority, could you? Um, For you personally. Um, I think one of the things that I try to do, I pride myself as sort of being a dot connector okay. and seeing the big picture and seeing it as, um, you know, they're, they're all really in interconnected. I mean, it might take a few more dots to connect some than, than others to get the connection there. But 
I really think we do ourselves a disservice when we try to rank or say what's the best or the most important because we're sort of tacitly saying these other things are less important. Okay. And I think we have uh, that's part of the job. I have to be able to hold multiple priorities at a time. Sure. And, and and in listening to you talk, so so you may not have direct levers at the county t- uh, where where you sit to impact childcare, as you talked about. But there's that softer power of mm-hmm. of of working with organizations. Take us through that a little bit more. What are some of the things that you think you can directly sort of impact? Sure. And I would refer to it more as influence than influence, power. I me. wish I had <laughs> power, softer otherwise. Um, but I, I think there, there may be some things that we can do at the county. And, and in our strategic plan, we mentioned working toward uh, solutions for childcare, at least for our own workforce. I think, you know, we as a county government employ over 2,000 people. So many of your neighbors are working for county government. And we have an opportunity to be a sort of demonstration garden <laughs> for what kinds of programs we might be able to then roll out across the community. Uh, I think, again, going back to those relationships with state and federal delegation to bring resources into our community um, to shore up these programs and in some cases just create them where there aren't any. Um, and through the connections and the relationships um, across the community and particularly at the grassroots of hearing what people's experiences are and what they need, it's not generally useful when elected bodies um, sequester themselves and come up with solutions and impose them upon community. We really need to engage and involve community in finding the answers. Sure. Well, and I imagine if we were to go back five or six years ago, and and, and, and with all due respect to the, the incredible work that you did as a sort of quote-unquote private citizen, but now as a county commissioner, I imagine, yes, it's influence, but that, that still means something. And I imagine going to state elected officials and saying, we need this, I imagine that helps a little bit. That's right. Nothing else. It's been fascinating to me. Um, I'll just say bluntly, you know, I was the same person on November 3rd as I was on November 2nd in 2020. And yet people <laughs> who would never have um, picked up the phone when I tried to call them were calling me yeah. to invite me to, to come to tables. And, and something that I really take very seriously, again, going back to the first part of our conversation about women historically and traditionally and systemically not being uh, part of these systems. And um, I really am committed also to, you know, as we say, lift as we rise. So making sure that I'm also out in community. So I'm identifying folks who have brilliant ideas and haven't been given opportunity and um, encouraging them and supporting them and getting appointed to boards or commissions or bringing them along in the work. Um, and so I think that that platform is what the, what the role affords me. People listen differently when you have that title for, for better or worse. Um, you know, I spent a lot of years sort of banging on the outside of the door trying to get in through a lot of issue campaigns. Um, As we talked about earlier, that's where I really learned the importance of the role of the elected policymaker. They're not the enemy when you want to move a policy solution. They're part of. Sure. They're part of that system. Um, And you got to make friends with them and you got to understand what their job is and help them do it better uh, rather than just being mad at them for not doing what you want. Um, So I think that's given me a good perspective on, on this seat. You know, when you're the advocate, your job is to be right and convince the policymaker to agree with you. When you're the policymaker, your job is to listen and understand and figure out, filtering through your values, um, if this proposition that the advocate is bringing to you is something you want to move forward, how you can help and how you can ask them to help you make that possible. When you were sort of coming up, did you have a, a, a mentor that helped you? And then correspondingly, now that you've reached this position, and as we talked about, you know, with perhaps bringing more 
women into the political arena. Um, how, how, how do you think you can use your position to help attract more women to get into politics? Yeah. Um, there is a very strong and collegial supportive network of mentorship in this community of women in uh, leadership and particularly in elected office. And I'm very proud and excited to be part of that. There's a program called Emerge. There's an Emerge America and then there are statewide affiliates. Emerge Oregon is in its 12th or maybe 13th year now. It is a candidate training program. It's not leadership development. It is brass tacks, how you run a, camp a winning campaign. We have many, many uh, illustrious alumna all across the state in offices up and down the ballot and in our legislature, and um, myself included, who are alumna of this, this program. And then I served on the board after I went through the program in 2012. And we connect and support one another. We door knock for each other, and we show up, and we offer advice and insight and also just a, a safe place to vent because <laughs> that is part of you know, keeping your wits about you and doing a good job. Um, so I think that kind of camaraderie and support and mentorship and networking and power sharing is why we're doing such a good job in Oregon of elevating more women into leadership positions. As we wrap up, I, I want to ask you, um, I imagine there could be people listening to this podcast who maybe like you were 10, 20 years ago thinking, hmm, I really want to make a difference. I think that entering politics might be the way in which I can I can affect change or, or have influence or or make a difference. What would you say to that person in terms of if they're if they're on the fence about whether they want to get into politics, you know, are, are there questions they need to ask themselves? To, to really determine if their if their heart and mind is in the right place, and then also if you could give them any advice about this is how the road's going to go, you got to get ready for it. Yeah, everybody's got a different road, so I would never tell somebody this is how the road's going to go. But okay. what I do say to people is uh, actually with women in particular, it's usually not them going, "Hmm, I wonder if I do that." It's somebody else noticing them hmm. and their good work, and their temperament, and their work style, and their commitment to an issue, and saying. Have you ever thought about running for office? I would like to help you do that. Um, and what I would say when when you say that to, to women, usually they're like, "No, I would never." <laughs> and I often, what I often say is two things: one, somebody's going to be in that seat. It's not theoretical. There will be an election, and somebody will be voted in. Why not you? Hmm. Uh, and then I encourage them to pay more attention at whatever level they're thinking about, whether that's a school board or a county commissioner, or a state ledge, or a. a port commissioner or a soil and water district representative, whatever, watch a few of those meetings and see if you, could you see yourself doing that? Do you think the person in that seat now is delivering with the values and the decisions that you would like to see them? And just because I think we, we create such a, uh, a wall for ourselves around things. And I'm a big fan of demystifying um, processes. And uh, again, there is a great value to the status quo of making things seem harder and more mysterious than they really are. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a great way to put it. Well, Lori Trigger from Lane County Commissioner uh, District 3, thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. You, you provided a great, you demystified the, uh, <laughs> the uh, politics uh, to some degree for our audience. Thank you so much. Excellent. I really appreciate the invitation. Thank you so much, Michael. That was our conversation with Lori Trigger, County Commissioner for District 3. County government is sometimes misunderstood by the public, but its importance and impact on our lives cannot be understated. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.